right. Good morning to you all. My name is Lance. Josh and Casey, I think, are celebrating 20 years of marriage. So uh, make sure to greet them when they come back and tell them congratulations. I'm really excited, though, to be able to share a bit with you all uh, this morning. I'm going to start my timer, my new Apple Watch. Um, We've been going through Philippians. Uh, Josh has been leading us uh, through Philippians. And I want you to open your Bibles. They'll be up on the screen as well. But I really, if you have a Bible, to open it up and flip through some pages with me. We're going to be doing, I'm going to introduce you to two characters, or Paul introduces us to two characters in his letter in chapter 2, starting in verse 19. What I have for you today is about friendship and the gospel. And even up on the, the the first slide, the, the kind of the main bridge slide, you'll see that it says something about friendship and unity. And we ought to pay attention to these things in this, this letter. This is one of those passages when you're reading um, a letter that you realize it's a letter. You know, sometimes when you're reading Paul, or you're reading the Bible, uh, you know, these Peter, First Peter or something, they're really great, like, theological passages. And you need to read them closely just to kind of hang on to see what, it's, what Paul is saying. This is one of those passages where you say, oh yeah, we're reading somebody's mail. We're going to meet these two guys, one named Timothy, maybe more familiar than the other, the other Epaphroditus. Okay, this is one of those exciting passages about characters. Timothy and Epaphroditus. Um, and these two really exemplify what I think it means to share in the gospel. This line, it's in chapter 1, verse 5, when Paul is introducing, he's talking to this church in Philippi, and he says, you know, he says that they are participants for the gospel. They share in the gospel. And these two characters really exemplify that. So today we get to meet two people who live lives worthy of the gospel. Paul is writing um, while he's in prison. He's incarcerated. We don't know exactly where he is in prison, maybe in Rome, maybe in Ephesus, but either way, he's under house arrest. And in ancient Roman Empire, uh, he, when you're, if you were ever in house arrest, you would be dependent upon others to take care of you, family and friends. They don't feed you three meals a day in prison. You have to have people to do that for you. And so this is important for reading Philippians because one of these characters, actually both of these characters, are hanging out with Paul and taking care of him while he's in prison. So the first one is Timothy. So read with me in in chapter 2, verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus, that's like saying God willing, to send Timothy to you so that I may be cheered by news of you. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. All of them, some other group, are seeking their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And maybe we ought to flash back to chapter 2, verse 4, where he says, look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. He said there's this other group of people that look to, the interests, to their own interests, but not Timothy. Timothy's worth you know. How like a son with a father he has served with me, in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I can to see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I will also come soon. So Paul's expecting, hoping, to get out of prison. 
but it may be a little while. And he also wants to send Timothy to him. Now, Timothy is Paul's like right-hand man. Timothy is, is the co-sender of this letter. It's from Paul and Timothy. In fact, if you look at the beginning of a lot of Paul's letters, Timothy is there. He's in uh, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 2 Corinthians, Colossians, and Philemon. All those letters are not only from Paul, but they're from Timothy. Paul might have met Timothy on his first journey. Timothy grew up in this small town called Lystra. And he had a Greek father and a Jewish mother, um, Eunice. And uh, his grandmother's name was Lois. Um, And so he grew up in this kind of mixed household. And when Paul came through Lystra, uh, evidently Eunice became a Christian. And then Timothy must have become a Christian as well, and Lois, the grandmother, because Timothy started hanging out with Paul as almost like an apprentice and traveling with him all over the world to share the gospel. And one of those places that Paul and Timothy went to was Philippi. So this is, when he says, I want to send Timothy to you, he's not saying, hey, Timothy's going to come and guest preach for you, right? Timothy's a friend. Timothy's a pastor. And he's saying, I, I want Timothy to be with you because I care about you, and he cares about you. He says, I don't have anyone like him. And the, the words he uses for Timothy are like a son with a father. He's served with me for the work of the gospel. So friend number one is Timothy. And yes, there's kind of a father-son, apprentice, master relationship here, but it's really, I think, co-workers. The second character... Uh, is Epaphroditus, maybe lesser known than Timothy. I like, I like this name. I, I like Epaphroditus. I don't know if any of you are, know any Epaphroditus's. Um, we were talking last night in my family about ch- children's names, and that one didn't come up. Uh, but um, this section, Epaphroditus has been really fun to think about. And so read with me in, in verse 25. Still, I think it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, your apostle, or maybe you have your messenger, and minister to my need. For he has been longing for all of you and has been distressed because you heard that he was sick. He was indeed ill, that he, so ill that he nearly died, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have one sorrow after another. So, okay, so what do we know so far? Epaphroditus is actually a member of the Philippian church. He's from Philippi. He's one of them. Where Timothy is hanging out with Paul, he's going to go visit the Philippian church. Well, Epaphroditus has been sent by the Philippian church to take care of Paul. In fact, he comes up later in, in chapter 4 as the one to bring, evidently they're, they're going to support him with money, and Epaphroditus is going to take the funds. It's in chapter 4, verse 11, where we see Epaphroditus again. So he's a missionary. He's in a missionary to support Paul. And what does he say about him? He's, he's a co-worker, like Timothy. He's a fellow soldier. And Philippi's a military town, so all of his, a lot of his illustrations... In Philippians are like military illustrations. He's a fellow soldier. He also calls him a brother. 
if Timothy is a son, Epaphroditus is a brother. And evidently, Epaphroditus got really sick. So, so sick he almost died as he was traveling to Philippi or while he was there. And so the church is really concerned about him. Right? He's, he's sort of one of their main leaders, and here he is dying in their service. So Paul is eager to send them back, back to him. Uh, it goes on in verse 28. I am all the more eager to send him, therefore, in order that you may receive, or sorry, you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. Welcome him in the, then in the Lord with all joy and honor such people, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for those services that you couldn't give me. They, they all care about Paul. It's one of the great things about Philippians. There's so much joy in it and care, but there's real struggle in it as well. And they care that Paul is, is cared for, that he's sustained. And so they send Epaphroditus. He gets sick on the way, almost dies. And now Paul is saying, I, I'm going to send him back to you. There's potential, though, for in this world, you know, if there's kind of a shame-honor culture where if Epaphroditus comes back too early or he comes back with mission unaccomplished or something, there's kind of personal shame involved in that. So Paul wants to assure them that Epaphroditus has done a great job. He has fulfilled his mission. He's an honorable person. He's a brother. He's a co-worker. He's a fellow soldier. And so honor Epaphroditus when he comes back to you. He almost died for me. You know, there's other characters in Philippians that get shout-outs by name. Not always for good reasons, but we've had Timothy and Epaphroditus in at the beginning of chapter 4 and verse 2, and this, maybe Josh is going to cover this later, but we meet Eunice and Syntyche, and we meet this guy named Clement, and evidently Eunice and Syntyche are two leaders of the, two female leaders of the, the church in Philippi. They're maybe not getting along real well, but if you've got your Bibles, I don't have this up here, but flip what he says about them. <clears throat> he calls them all co-workers. That in, in verse 3, they've struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. I want for you to know today that you are a co-worker, that you are a saint, that you are a brother or sister in Christ. Paul begins the book of Philippians calling the whole congregation saints, people made holy by God through Christ. The gospel itself is what we've been meditating on in the Christ hymn, this, this story of Jesus, what God has done for us. And Paul will say, well, have the same mind in you as you share in this. You participate in the gospel. You're part of, of this family. Your names are in the book of life. Um, it's, we're not about to take communion. But I want to welcome you to the table. I know this usually comes at the end of the sermon, but what we are here for today is to participate in Christ by breaking the bread and drinking the cup, the body and blood of, of Christ that unites us, that makes us family, that makes us brothers and sisters and co-workers and sharers of the gospel. And when we eat together, uh, not here, but at the tables around the, the building, 
we, we, it's important that this is community, communion, that we are family, that we eat together. And yeah, there's an individual aspect when we break the bread, but today I, I want you to really think about the community, your relationships with, with one another. Church is not an event to attend, but a community to walk with. Um, when I, in 2003, um, my family and I um, traveled, left Memphis. I was a student at Harding School of Theology, and we, we went to, to Madison, Wisconsin. I'm from Wisconsin. <clears throat> and we, we went there to, to plant a church. We had a team. I went to York College in Nebraska. Any other York College people here? Joel Shores went to York College. We, co- we connected over that earlier in the year. <laughs> um, and I had these two friends, and, and Laura and I were, were getting married, and we had a community of worship. We loved being with each other. Just, I mean, we hung out all the time. We were roommates, and we worshiped together. And we thought, wouldn't it be great to keep doing this? Right? God's given us this great gift of relationships, of friendships, of sharing the gospel with each other. So we decided that we would go to some city and keep doing this by starting a church. Um, And there are lots of questions that that I had to wrestle with. Um, What does it mean to be the church? Um, What does it mean to be friends in Christ? And this is what I would come up with, and I want to share a few just anecdotal experiences with you this morning, but this is a line that I I hope you'll remember. We love one another for the good of the world. Okay, so it's not just loving one another. It's not just about the good of the world, but it's the two together, that we love one another for for the good of the whole world. I, I believe that is the meaning of participating in the gospel. That's what it is to be the church. So when we moved to, to Madison, um, it was kind of like going home for me. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and, uh, but it was still totally new, and it was transformative. And there's a few snapshots I just want to share. One is our first full day in Madison, and I don't know if you know about Madison, Wisconsin, but you might get an idea, of, but just judging by our first full day, we, had, we moved into this apartment, and our, our neighbors were Ben and Valkyrie. And Ben and Valkyrie, Ben was like a novice in ancient mythology, and Valkyrie was a, a practicing pagan. Um, and they invited us over for dinner. So um, at that time, it was just Laura and I and Sage and Clay, baby Sage and Clay. Lydia was on the horizon. And so we went over, and they made us some really tasty Mexican food, and we enjoyed being neighbors. Um, <clears throat> We bought a house in a neighborhood, shared life with our neighbors. I occasionally did handyman jobs for Porter, our gay neighbor. Dan walked his dog in front of our house every day. And so we would, and he was a thoughtful person. We had lots of conversations. And Emily, uh, another neighbor, all three of these people lived within a block of us. Um, <clears throat> had a daughter the same age as ours that we watched after school. Well, in time, you know, Porter knew that we were Christians, and Dan joined our house church, 
Um, and we walked with him as he struggled with his son, who eventually overdosed on drugs. And one night, Emily surprised me as she came over and she was dealing with an uncertainty in her life and she just wanted to pray together. So Laura and I prayed with her. I made my office this like local coffee shop called Cafe Zoma. And uh, my, that's where I studied and those are my friends. And um, I, I share all of these, just, just this one principle that if we're, we're going to love each other for the good of the world, we have to share space with the world. And you have to encounter people to reach them with the gospel. It doesn't happen unless you share some space. Our team uh, were our closest friends, and we made a decision early on to, to work by um, discernment, or uh, to, to discern on the basis of consensus. That is basically impossible. Like, we, we, with your best friends, you're not all going to agree on everything, okay? We were like, we're going to do this, um, which was really difficult. But we, we tried uh, to put mission first. When, when your whole reason for living in a city is the mission of God, it changes the way you think about your everyday. You know, church is a way of life. And at some point, I even stopped telling people that I was planting a church and start, I started saying, we're starting a Christian community. Because that just conferred something that I believed and it was different, right? Church is not an event to attend, but a people to walk with. Um, I wrote this in 2004, June 29th. I kept a journal for my first year. I said, where is God leading us? He's leading us to be, to abide in him, to be his people. The doing flows out of being. Our mission is not to do church, but to be the church. So the question is like, what does that look like, right? How do we do that? And I think that's a question for us. How do we, how do we live our life together for the good of the world? One time I was talking to a person who is our realtor slash friend, um, and I was using, I was talking about, I don't know, I used the word unchurched, which I was getting from books about unchurched people and reaching them, and he looked at me because he wasn't a Christian, unchurched, as if like that was an insult to him. And I never used the word again because I realized, hey, we're not trying to church people, right? We're trying to make them like Christ. We're actually, we're just participating in that work of God that he's already doing. There were a lot of uh, frustrations along the way, a lot of uncertainty. I remember laying awake at night, several nights frustrated that our church wasn't growing, feeling this kind of need to produce. Um, I couldn't think of any church that was really doing evangelism. Um, and I'm sh- I know they're out there. I, I know it happens, but I was frustrated by it, and most churches I knew were just swapping Christians. Um, but it was in that uncertainty that I learned uh, that so, so much of faithful living for Christ is about endurance and participation. I learned to participate in God's mission rather than lead God's mission. And I, want to, I want to hang on to this idea because I think Philippians has a lot to do with, has a lot to say about participation. And in fact, even back to our guys, Timothy and Paul, for that matter, Epaphroditus, Clement, Eunice, or Eunice isn't in Philippians, but Yodia and Syntyche, they're participants. They're, they're leading in some way, but this is God's work. They, and they, I think they knew that. Uh, and Paul writes over and over about 
participating, participating in the gospel. If you would uh, maybe flip to the next slide. Here's my, you guys know about participation awards, right? <clears throat> There's all sorts of memes about participation awards, and most of the time they're making fun of it. Oh, these kids these days, you know, they all get a participation award. Well, for whatever that's worth, I really believe that we are just participants. And I use the word just sort of to say that it has got, I think that reminds us that, you know, you're, you're doing, you're participating in the work of God. It's not up to you. And on the other hand, how great is it to participate in the work of God? It's not just participating. I mean, this is, this is the joy of our lives, to participate in the work of God. There really isn't anything better than participating in, in the work of God. In, in Philippians, just to put up some scriptures, just to show you how important this is for Paul, there's this word, um, koinonia, which, yeah, we've got it up here, which means fellowship. Often we translate it that way, but it's the, the word for sharing or participating. And it comes up over and over in chapter 1, verse 5, because of your sharing in the gospel, participation in the gospel, koinonia in the gospel from the first day until now. Um, in verse 7, you share, every time share is used here, it's this word, share in the grace of God with me, both in my imprisonment and the defense of the gospel. In chapter 2, verse 1, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, you share in the Spirit. You have fellowship with, you participate in the work of the, of the Spirit. In chapter 3, verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings and becoming like him in his death. Sharing and suffering. Your participation is great. It is the joy of our life. But to participate with, in the gospel, to share in the gospel, often entails suffering. I mean, look at Paul's life. He's in prison. Epaphroditus almost dies. You know, there's suffering along the way. But, and, of course, this is about sharing in the suffering of, of Christ. <clears throat> Chapter 4, verse 14 is the last one where he's talking about Epaphroditus, or he's right before that. He says, in any case, it was kind of you to share in my distress. He uses it over and over. Your participants, your saints, your co-workers, your brothers, your sisters. This is who God has made you in Christ. Another line that comes up over and over is, being of the same mind. And I don't think this is about groupthink, you know, like we don't want groupthink. Everybody thinking exactly the same way. It's good to disagree and iron sharpens iron and all this. But there is this line that comes up over and over, being of, of the same mind. It's um, in chapter 2, verse 2. I think I kind of summarized these up here. But be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord with one mind. Think just the same, okay? Um, 2.5, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. In other words, it's not just, hey, I'll agree, but agree in Christ. Like, what does friendship in Christ really look like? Well, it might entail suffering. I mean, there's, there's people who disagree in Philippians, co-workers with God. We're going to disagree with each other. But there's still this like-mindedness that is in Christ, doing what Christ does. 
Chapter 3, verse 15, let those of us who are mature be of the same mind. Sounds like a good goal. I urge Yodia and Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. These are the two that, you know, they're not getting along. And he says, hey, be of the same mind. And he uses that over and over, having the mind of Christ, which is the line that leads into the Christ hymn that we've been meditating upon these weeks. I really loved uh, thinking about how Timothy and Epaphroditus have the same mind as Christ and demonstrate that and how they have fellowship and co-workers. Um, this, I think this is about identity. Um, sharing requires unity. So if, if the gospel uh, is what Christ has done for us, right, our mission is participating in the gospel. Let me say that one more time because what we get in the Christ hymn is what God has done for us through Christ. You know, how he lowers himself. He had a heavenly abode. You know, he lived with God and he gave that up. He didn't grasp onto it, didn't hang on to it, but rather came to be with us, becoming a human, a human being with all of our frailties. Moreover, he lowered himself even further to, the, to death on a cross. And now... He's risen from the dead, and someday every knee, every knee, all of yours and everybody you know, will bend a knee to, to the Lord of all creation. That's, that's the gospel. Like, that's what Paul said, hey, this is what it's about. And almost everything else in Philippians is about how we now live, how we participate in the gospel. So our mission, like what does it mean for us, is to participate, is to share life together for the good of the world. You're going to have, you're not going to do that well, right? I think some of us, we, we try, we're going to do it well enough. I mean, but ultimately this is God's work and we get to, we get to participate that in this. And when we eat and drink um, again, with, uh, which we're about to do now, when, when, we, when we participate in the meal, we're sharing the gospel. This morning, I do this sometimes. I hope it's not weird if you see me looking at you while you're standing in line, but <laughs> I, 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 I want to encourage you to like observe the body today. Uh, we're all sitting facing this way and so on, but if you're in the church in Philippi, which is just like this mission outpost, like these are small churches. They're gathering in homes. They're sharing life. Probably when they're eating communion, they're, they're talking about Jesus. They're sharing stories. And maybe we should do that too. But even as the way we're doing it now, you know, people, you all will get up and there's six tables around the room and, and you wait in line. Or if you're like my family, sometimes we get it early. But uh, there's something valuable to waiting in line. Um, I... I just to observe the saints. These are your brothers and your sisters, your, your co-workers. It's all God's work, and we all get to participate in it. And there really is no greater joy than that. Uh, maybe think about your own friendships. Think about whether your friendships are missional, if they're friendships uh, in Christ. I don't mean that just be friends with Christians. I mean be friends with purpose. Think about where your friendships lead, what God, is, what God could do in the relationships that he's given you. 
Even as we eat and drink, we remember the unity we have in Christ. So I'm going to pray for us a minute, in a minute. And if you need anything, uh, we're going to have uh, shepherds up front. And um, I think Laura Moore is going to be on this side of the building. And if, if, you, if you just want to pray with somebody, maybe you want to pray about one of your relationships. Maybe you're like Yodia and Sintiki, and you need to pray for that relationship. Uh, we invite you to, to come and, and pray and uh, share, share life as we eat and drink the cup as well. So let me pray for us. God, I'm so thankful for your love for us. You are, you are over all things. A creator of heaven and earth, you always have been, and you always will be. And God, now we give you thanks for the death and resurrection of Jesus. We want to glory in the cross, God. And I'm thankful for the community uh, that we have in you, for the relationships that we share with one another as we break bread and drink the cup, as we, as we do this together. Um, we, I... I I pray that you give us this kind of identity of, of people who are sent. Thank you, Lord, for who you've made us through Christ, for blessing us with a future that is in you, and even your presence now with us. God, we give you thanks in the, in the name of Jesus and by the power of your Spirit. Amen.